G'day everyone, it's James Davis from the Paxade Academy down here in APAC again, and this time I've got Andrew from InfoShore. How you doing, Andrew? I'm good, James. How are you? Doing not too bad. Where in this wide world are you located? Oh, I'm in Adelaide, South Australia. So, uh, yeah, I think we were voted the coolest city um, just a couple of weeks ago, but please don't tell anyone, um, because uh, amongst our wines... Uh, regions and our beautiful beaches where we want to keep them to ourselves. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not <laughs> sure if it's really the coolest place. I reckon yes. no, but, not not, but but anyway, well, I'm excited to have you on because um, insurance is a big deal, and um, we've been talking to our partners for a, quite a bit around the insurance changes. And what I was excited to hear about is you sort of specialise in cyber insurance and thought I'd bring you on and talk about insurance from a client and client's perspective instead of the conversations we've been having around the MSPs and other partners and their insurance. Where I thought we'd just dive straight in and, and, and start the conversation is, what's the, what's the coverage rates for businesses in the region for cyber insurance? How many people are actually covered? So it's, it's actually quite surprising and um, we could touch on it later on some some analogies or, or, or examples of why it surprises me, but the current uptake is is roughly 20%. So one in five businesses around Australia currently hold cyber insurance. Um, and it's it's just fascinating to me um, that that number is so low. Why do you think it is so low? Uh, this is where I do find I do ruffles on feathers, but there's really no point in me holding back because to address why I think it is, and, and it's just my personal opinion, um, I, I do have to speak pretty, pretty bluntly. Um, the main reason I do think it is so lowly held is just a lack of knowledge from general brokers. Um, and what happens is, especially with the process, and we all know that even if I'm involved in a process with insurance, it still is a process and it still takes, it still needs to jump hurdles and it still takes um, a fair while to implement that insurance. Whereas what I've seen in my career and what I know is happening is the general insurance brokers sort of hand the client the cyber proposal form and they say, you need to get your MSP to fill this out. Once they've filled it out, they bring it back to me and I'll, I'll place the insurance. So what you're doing there is you're creating a lot of barriers. So now you need the client to find the time to call their MSP. We're all busy. Then you need the MSP to look at the proposal form. Now, I'm from the insurance industry, but I know these proposal forms are heavily insurance worded. <laughs> so I know I also know from experience because I deal with a lot of MSPs and they read them and go, well, that's not a yes or no answer. What you just asked me is not yes or no. There is yes buts, there is no buts. Or quite frankly, I just can't answer that question without a longer conversation. So then you start having these bounce back points, right? So then the client goes, oh, well, we just need to get it done. The MSP says, no, you need to take it back. They go back to the... It just sort of keeps bouncing back and forth. And there's no real cohesiveness amongst those three groups because, to be quite frank, the general broker just wants the prop filled out by the MSP so they can get the, the insurance quote. The client doesn't know, so they want the MSP to get him to just do it. The, the MSP is now asking very fair questions because they're looking at this prop going, right, this is a liability to us because if I answer this question and it's not right and something happens down the track, well, I'm going to be brought into this. Don't, don't you worry about that. They will... They will come back to me and say, well, you told us we did have it, but now everyone's saying we don't. Um, so I think it just becomes this sort of mess of bouncing commu non-communication, really. And, and 
all of a sudden it just sort of it just disappears to be quite frank it, you know the, the the other thing that i'm pretty strong is on is that the general insurance broker already has all the other policies so they have their property they have their liability they have their motor they've already got some pretty decent income and, and relationship client for them to keep going and not get the cyber it's not going to break them um and it's not really something that if it doesn't happen that you know if you keep moving it's not going to affect the landscape for them but what we're trying to stress is the risk remains uninsured which is which is critical isn't it uh, with the rising uh, cyber crime and uh, the impacts that has on business what do we need to start doing especially from uh, the partner side the msp the tsp side what do we need to start doing to to get our clients uptaking this sort of insurance more yeah that's a very it's a very it's a very hard question to answer because what i can only answer it by what we're doing and what we're doing is he's saying to the client look we understand that you're probably not either have the time most respectfully the time but also the knowledge because you've employed an msp which is a professional and you've got us as insurance professional now you're paying us to get the job done so the benefit of us being a cyber specialist brokerage and we have many partnerships already in the MSP and the cybersecurity space is we tell the client, look, if it's okay, we'd like to just deal directly with the MSP. I then call the MSP and explain to them, this is not going to be me duck shoving all the work to you um, and, and no conversation. What I'd like to do is I'd actually like to have a meeting with us too, as in me, the broker, you, the MSP, and let's go through this cyber proposal together. And let's go through it with a second piece of paper that if it's not a yes or no answer, so, you know, yes, we have encryption, but we only have it in the sending phase. We don't have it on our backups. Right, that's, let's put that down. Let's put that information down. Because at the end of our chat, we can go through all this stuff that we've had to talk about on the side that's not in a traditional insurance prop. And now you and I can start together, MSP, insurance broker, go back to the client and have a, a roundtable discussion of this is what we need to implement to bring us up or just get our posture a little bit better for this this placement or the marketing with the insurers. And to do that, we need to do X, X, and X. And so there's now two people in the room. And it's not to say that an MSP, or I know any more than MSP, it's just sometimes it can blend into the client and the MSP. The MSP is making these recommendations, which are all valid, but the client can sometimes get a bit, okay, the, the, all right, let's, let's just do a couple of them. Whereas I think the benefit that we have as insur- cyber insurance brokers, I should say, is I can put a um, urgency on those. So to use an example, I had one the other day where a client didn't have MFA. They had remote staff. Um, and look, I just said, look, I'm not going to get you insurance or I'm not even going to try without you implementing MFA. And then... We did look at sort of, um, I just gave them some examples. I said, look, you can have text MFA, you can do a push button MFA, but I'm not here to do that. I'm actually here to, when I say move it, move it into the MSP so the MSP can then do their job. And why I use that specific example is I go back to the office and the MSP, we have very close relationships with MSPs and that's what we stress is we're not just going to throw you a proposal. I don't really care what you do for a business. That's not my problem. Just get me the proposal so I can get the insurance done is the MSP then contacted me and said, I don't know what you said to my client, but all of a sudden after two years of trying, they've now emailed me and said, when can you implement this for us? We'd like you to come and, and, and help us out. So it's it's really 
I think when you get everyone involved, it moves from insurance brokers sitting off to the side, not really trying to do anything. They want the client, the MSP to figure it all out into, all right, I'm actually going to be the driver of this. I'm not going to implement any of this stuff because that's for the MSP to do. And I'm also going to talk to the client about why we need to do it from my point of view, because I'm not going to get a, a proper cyber insurance without MFA. Um, and then the other, probably the big thing is encryption. So looking at what you encrypt, how much you encrypt, and, and to be quite frank, some people don't encrypt at all. Um, but again, I'm not going to explain encryption to the client because that's I'm just getting MSP in the room to do their job. They're a lot smarter than me. And this is where um, probably extended out, not just from the insurance advisor and the technic, technology advisor that, that the MSP, TSP sits in. I think it's to legal advice and financial advice. And that ecosystem of advisors around a client are going to produce a much better result for that client if they're working as an ecosystem compared to a bunch of individuals. So validation, it's different people are saying the same thing in different ways, which triggered the clients. It also increases the uh, risk profile and understanding of that management side to make better decisions from a business owner perspective. So I, I love the perspective that you're coming from. What what I'd be interested to hear from, like we're talking about the good things if we, we start to get insurance and work together. What happens to clients if they don't have cyber insurance and they, they get hit by cybercrime? Uh, yeah, well, it's, I've actually got an example on this too. And, and, and this is this is why it's it's so easy for me to, to bring up these um, examples with clients if they do ask these questions because I'm living and breathing at eight to nine hours a day. We made the decision to go all in on cyber and, and that's even the short two and a half months that InfoSure has been around, I've almost got an example for everything, which I, I love. Um, so the example there is we, we actually got a referral from a lawyer for a client that um, been breached. Now, it's interesting enough, they called their lawyer first because so, I think he was just very, very worried. He'd had about 40 clients comp data compromised. So he called his lawyer. I have relationships across all of South Australia and all industries. Um, and then they called me and said, look, I, I think this is what you guys do, or, or it's not what we do, but he knew that I had the partnerships and I could sort of steer that. So it's all of a sudden, InfoSure's, yeah, we do the cyber insurance, but people are starting to realize we also had the connections and we can sort of move it to where it needs to be. So we moved that one into a cyber auditing team and they took over. But I think this is where the, the problem starts. So typically a cyber insurance policy provides seven services and you go through, so you, this one specifically, they helped him out with the forensics. So they went in the system, worked out the, the scale of the breach. If they were still in there, they were, they got involved in the negotiations. But then you've, that's all, that's all they can do for them. Um, and then you have to go, well, the client, sorry, has to go find the rest of it. So when I say the rest of it, you got to remember, you need legal services to assist you with how you're going to go about this breach because now you have 40 clients that start has been breached. There could be some legal ramifications to that. You also have a legal advisory service for if the government wants to get involved. Now, don't forget if they remove that $3 million for threshold, we're going to have over a million businesses that are now going to have an obligation to disclose to the government. Or, or And then it's sort of like, okay, well, you're not just going to knock on their door and say, hey, government, I've had a breach. You need some advice as to how to to advise the government on what, what's just happened to your business. Um, and then you have PR services. So a PR team from of the on the back of the policy can come in and say, look, 
we're going to have to really nicely say to the clients we've we've breached their data or we've sorry we've lost their data, but we want to let them know it's okay and it's you know don't worry about don't worry about the business relationship where it's all good. This is so they word that strongly. So there's a few examples of the seven that the, the policy provides. Now this this client or it's not a client of ours, it's a client of the cyber auditing now. I can still be the touch point, but he needs to go do all that stuff himself. And there's no real plan. And you know, to put it bluntly, he's already about sixteen thousand dollars into this into just the forensic side of things. So let's move on to what happens next because of course the first thing he said to me is, right, now I'd like to get a cyber policy. And I was like, that's gonna be very difficult. Now the analogy that the insurer I went to my insurers and just sort of explained, and again, we have very good relationships with insurers. So I'm not just calling Amy and speaking to a one three hundred person and it's like they know Andrew Brett, they know who I am. So I can go to them and say, look, we have a client that's in the middle of a cyber incident. Can we somehow exclude that cyber incident from a policy to start a new policy for any new cyber incidents? Two insurers just came back and bluntly said, we don't touch anyone with a current incident. That incident would need to be closed. And then the re the remediation advices or recommendations would need to be completely um, put in place before we even looked at them. I said, okay, that's interesting. The, the third insurer said, look, I'm okay to look at it, but I'm only going to look at it. I'm not going to say anything more, so I'm not going to tell you I'm going to cover it. Now, the analogy he used, which I think is fantastic, is he said, it's kind of like you asking me to insure a building with the boardroom on fire. So it's like, okay, you might say that it's not a big deal, but there's still fire in the building. So good luck. You know, if you were trying to do that for a building, you just wouldn't get it done. Um, so... To, to answer your question, and it's probably a longer longer answer than it needed to be, if you get hit with a cyber incident without cyber insurance, it's going to be very, very difficult for us to then get you a policy. Um, as opposed to if you have a policy, you get hit. The insurer's in, involved now. They have, they have been involved in your claim. When you get to the end of that incident or the incident has been, been finalised, they've been involved from the start. They were there before it happened. They were there during it happened. You have a much better chance than saying, look, we're going to have to remediate some things, but, and you know, your premium is obviously going to be increased, but we're, we've been here. We've been here with you. If you're a brand new customer with an incident, whether it be closed or not closed, it murkies the waters. Um, so yeah, it's it's very hard is the short answer. And what you, what probably stood out to me was just like you mentioned the forensics part. It's already at 16K. I don't know without knowing all the details, probably would have been cheaper to have an insurance policy already. You're, yeah, it would have, to be quite honest with, yeah, insurance is hard, it's how long's a piece of string based on what your business does. But if if I had to say, I'd reckon his premium would have been probably five to $6,000. And that goes back to the, what we talked about before about only having 20% of businesses take it up is, Insurance works well when there's a premium, there's a pool of premium. So you look at business insurance, whether it be a building contents um, insurance, you know, what would you say? 85%, 90% of Australians have building. Why would you not have a building insurance? This is, and let's go right back to the start when I said I'd explain it. It fascinates me that 80, 90% of people have business insurance, yet if I burn your building down, you just take your computer systems elsewhere to another building and you just probably start the next day. If you... Let's argue and say you've got computers out, buildings on fire, building burns to the ground, you took all your software, you took all your backups, you just go to a new building and start again. 
But if I took down your systems with like a DDoS, the denial of service attack, you can go to any, you can go to the Taj Mahal if you want. You're not going to start your business again. It's, it's yet 20% of people are only take up cyber insurance. Whether that's because it's it's not visible, it's not you can't touch the walls, you can't touch the the sort of the physicalness of it, and I guess that's where at Infosure we're trying to think: how do we that can make this visible? Because I, if it's if it's you know such a high uptake of building insurance, but I don't think that would actually look. If you're a manufacturer, or you have a conveyor belt system. Yeah, your business is going to struggle on if you're building bird, but a lot of you know accounting firms, law firms. They can work, as we know with COVID, they can work anywhere. Uh, so it's not the physical issue or the physical risk that's the most hurting of your business. It's the software systems. Um, so it's it's just trying to explain that to the client. And I think this is where the MSP, TSP can come into play as well. One of the things I've seen from a lot of mature um, partners is it's part of their contract they enforce that the client has to have cyber insurance um, be, because it gets them thinking about it, but it also covers the cost um, because what I think a lot of the time with the cyber insurance and the costs, they assume their MSP is going to pick up the tab. That's why they pay their managed services um, fee every month and the managed services provider has never had that conversation with the client to say, no, actually, you don't do any of this stuff. We do this part of it. it. Yeah. There's all this other part. And it's not even that they don't do it. They shouldn't. But they, it's not, it's unfair to expect an MSP to handle an incident response, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? It's not that, it's not that it's like, oh, we don't do this. You know, it's like, this isn't our skill. It's not our skill set. You know, it's like asking the plumber, to, like, do you do electrician work? Well, no. But, but, well, you're a tradesman. No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a plumber. Uh, that's how I see it. Look, I like to dumb things down, James. It, it's that's how I see it. It's like MSP's a plumber, incident response is an electrician. The client's going, well, you're a tradesman. You should be able to do everything. Like, why can't you plumb the sink and then work, work out the electrical cause? They're, they're completely different skill sets, um, and it would be unfair for a client to 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 ask. And it would be sorry. It would also be extremely. It'd be a very tough position if you're an MSP and you get a phone call. Oh, we've been breached. I'll leave it with you. That's what we're trying to avoid. It, it, that example there, let's yeah, let's extrapolate it a bit. What should happen? Well, let's assume the client has cyber insurance. What should happen from when a suspected incident's happening, or once we know an incident's happening? What 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 should actually happen? So, if the if the and this is another gripe of mine is that there's some general brokers out there that will play for the cyber policy, and then that's it. The, the client gets their tax invoice, your beauty. Um, off you go. If I say to my clients or prospects or anyone I meet with, if you call me and as in the broker, so don't call your MSP, but even if you call me, heck, if you call your MSP, if you call either of us, something's wrong. This is, it's not set up how it should be. So let's say a client has six employees and I place their cyber policy. I will give each employee and I say, give it to every employee, a little plaque, which has the incident response emergency number, but also your policy number. Because there's also no point in me giving them the number if they don't have their policy number. Because the first thing, the, the incident response, which is 24-7, that's probably, that's another conversation about, you know, the human interaction of an MSP. They don't, they're not awake. I hope they're not awake 24-7. Um, some of them probably are <laughs> with, the, with their worries. But um, 
everyone has the plaque. It's like a little insurance, a bit like travel insurance. You get your little travel card. So if you feel like you've had an instant response, you can see something, you call the number, you quote your policy number, and away you go. So that's the end um, process of a cyber policy. It's not, you don't stop at placing it and you've got the cover, you should sleep easy. No, it's the education piece resulting from that, that everyone has the card, you think something's happened because you don't have to prove to the insurer that you, you, you did, something's happened. It's the, it means it's in the insurer's best interest to get on it straight away to mitigate that claim. They're not going to go, oh, look, just, hey, just have a look yourself, talk to your MSP. Once you think you've got a claim, then come back to us. Because that could have matched 50 grand worth of costs that they're going to have to pick up later on. So they want, I mean, again, I don't go too far and use the incident response as an MSP and don't just ring them up for the sake of it. But if you feel like something's happened, don't be afraid to ring them up. Ring them up, have a conversation. They can do some pre, what's called pre-claim investigation and they can give it a tick or they can say, look, no, we're on here. Um, and, and then the process will begin. So yeah, don't call me, don't call your MSP. You need to call the incident response number. And that's what keeps the ecosystem running as far as I, I can see because... Do, can an MSP ring up that hotline on behalf of a client if they've got the policy number? Um, that's a very good question. Um, I probably, I've never had a situation, like an answer with I've never had a situation where the MSP, um, has run for a client. Um, but yeah, I, look, I, I don't answer questions I don't know, but I, I, yeah. I'm more than happy to, to get you an answer for that later on. The, the, the reason I bring that up is from my experience, the MSP is so used to dealing with everything that often they're either too too fearful of pushing the client to ring the cyber insurer or they, they're unaware or they're just used to, well, we got, an, we got an alert. The client didn't ring up. We got an alert from one of our systems. It's up to us to remediate. They don't actually necessarily get any forensics or something. They deal with, they deal with that potentially. Potentially, it is just an incident that they've dealt with and it's all dealt with. Mm-hmm. But it could be more that they're not actually aware of because they don't have the forensic skills like you mentioned. So that ecosystem that you're mentioning, I think the, that education for the MSP side is, is super important for them to understand where they actually, where the delineations are. And even if it's, even if they can't contact the insurer directly is get one of the first steps should be to get the client to contact the insurer on their hotline. As a, a, you know, so um, that's a very, very good question. And now you've given me something for today, which I'll, it's funny, this is how I work. I'll probably get off this call, call the insurers, my insurer contact straight away and go, right, let's let's map it out here. Who can call you? Can an MSP call you on behalf of the client? If they get the the, the ping, I suppose, that, that, that something's gone wrong. And at which point will you deal with them or will you say, look, thanks for that, but we're going to have to get the client to do that. Because yeah, yeah, that's... In fact, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you, you watch my LinkedIn. <laughs> there'll be, there'll be an update on this, um, and I'm, I'm gonna get to the bottom of that. So, let's talk through that process. The clients contacted the hotline. What typically happens through that from once they've contacted them? So the first person, so they get triaged, and it's a bit like going to the emergency or the hospital emergency department. So you go in, you get triaged um, within minutes. And again, James, you probably heard through this conversation. I'm very big on pulling back things to basic. I don't, 
I don't um I don't like getting too techy. Um it's more the fact that when I do it, people's eyes glaze over. Not yours, but as in general clients. I'm so used to to bringing it back down. It, I explain it as in you get what's called an instant response manager. So the instant response manager, put simply, is like a wedding planner. So when you're planning your wedding, you don't call the florist, you don't call the band, you don't call the event, you call the wedding planner. So you'll get given an incident response manager. And when I talked about seven services under, they will coordinate with you all the services. Now, obviously, forensics is the first because we can't do anything without understanding the scope. So we'll get the forensics team in. Um, again, we need to work out whether this, because you, you look at um, like a, you need to work out whether they're still in there, whether they've gone the scope of the incident so we can work out what's going to happen. Um, and then you could take it from there. But essentially, if anyone has any queries, and I will get back to you on the MSP thing, but if someone from the other side, the policyholder has a query, they would call the incident response manager. The incident response manager can make sure that they're give, given proper updates because you don't, the other thing is you don't want to have seven numbers. So you go, right, there's your forensics team's number. There's your there's your lawyer's number for the government. There's your lawyer's number for your clients. Right, there's your PR's number. And you're going, ah, it needs to be, right. Arguments sake, my incident response manager is James Davis. If I have an issue, I'll call James. Um, or if I have something I, I want to touch base on, or if James wants to call me, then James, I'll know my phone will, will um, flash and say, James Davis, I know that's going to be my incident response manager giving me an update. Because the other thing people people need to realise is, and I, I actually put a LinkedIn post on it this week, is, you know, look at DP work. Yes, the ports are running again within a couple of days, but the, the, there's going to be ongoing um, works, I would say months. I mean, I'd like to get your take, or uh, even just a simple take on that. But I, I, I think people need to realise there's going to be a lot of back-end stuff. And so it's not going to be that as simple as, oh, I'll just take a number for each service that we get involved in and we'll... You really need that James Davis incident response manager because a month or two um, down the track, and, and I'm very respectful of people got businesses to run. That's why they employ professionals. That's why you have a job. That's why I have a job. It's because people, whatever their business is, that's what they want to hold. That's what they need to concentrate on to keep the business running. So to make it the incident response manager for me is to make it as simple as possible. There's only one number in that phone, James Davis, incident response manager. That's who I call. And so once there is an incident manager, like you've mentioned a few, like this MSP, there's client, there's legal, there's forensics. So then to end process of uncovering the incident and, uh, and being able to identify that properly in the scope is super important. That's probably where a lot of MSPs don't do a very good job of it because they, don't, they haven't got those skills. If a MSP dives in and so tries to remediate something and, um, without engaging the um, insurance company, does that does that have an impact on yes. the claim? Short answer, yes. Yeah. So like most claims, once the claim's made to insurer, without being too aggressive, it's the insurer's claim. So it's their claim to run with. And the reason, the simple reason is they're picking up the check. So the reason the MSP is not going to do a remediation is they're not the one paying for any resultant... Um, I guess, damage or action from their remediation work. So that's where the insurer goes, right, all of a sudden, claims in, we're picking up the tab for all this. So it's now our claim. They're obviously going to work in the best interest of the client. And it's not to say that they're going to take it and you can't do anything. There's still going to be open roundtable discussions, but it's their claim. 
they're, 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 and, and you've got to remember, oh, you don't have to remember, sorry, that's a bad analogy, but I would say to people, these these claims and these teams, the insurers, it's not the insurance company that's handling this work, and by the way, they, they have panel vendors, so they have industry professionals like Clyde & Co, Watton Kearney, Mills & Oakley. So they're, they're engaging these types of professional third parties, and they're just on vendor rates, so they get... Because of the, the sheer amount of work they get, they just they're on their panel. They can call on them whenever they want. They become a uh, the insurance company becomes a um, key client for the for like a Mills Mills and Oakley. Um, so they're not they see these every day. They're, you're not the first. You're not the last. You're just for their well. You're another person to help. So I think that's that's where I don't want to stress or sorry I don't want to make people feel like. The insurer is going to take it over and, oh, like it's just going to happen to us. There's still going to be discussions, but you've got to remember it's 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 the professionals that do this day in, day out that are going to manage this claim. And I think, because I know we're, we're coming to that point of the, the chat, but it's also cyber insurance policy should be peace of mind for the client that they have a plan. Because the biggest thing I'm discovering and 20% are only buying, that means... Of that 80%, how many have an incident response plan? Like how many have a true... Because if, the other thing is if they did, they'd work out just how expensive it would be to engage seven different professional services, not on vendor panel rates. Then they've got to go find them. But while it's sort of... Oh, that's what I question. The 80% that don't have it, if they actually looked into it, they would be calling me tomorrow. Because they'd go, I've done the maths on this. I've done the time um, and you know equations on this. And I need the cyber insurance policy because... For me, it's a plan. It's I know that I've got something in place um, that if you know proverbial hits the fan, that I, I can I can get someone to help me. What I what I took away from what you just said, right there, is insurer takes responsibility in this, and MSP is so used to taking responsibility for all the technology. But actually, what I would be um, thinking about as an MSP TSP owner is, I can finally shift some responsibility over to someone why wouldn't i have my clients on this to deal with these types of incidents which is funny jays because like i said about when we started this conversation about my gripe with the general insurance industry is i would say that msps traditionally have viewed insurance as a pain because all they get given and i know an msp in adelaide that it gets about a hundred a year they get a hundred cyber proposals from their clients who go this is now your problem you now need to figure this out then hand it back to me when it's done so I guess if you you know if I could wrap up InfoShield's mission, we are trying to be for the MSP, not against it. We're not just trying to say you do all the work, I'll get all the I'll get all the rewards when I place the policy. Um, we're trying to get in there and say, look, we're going to work with you. If there's enhancements to this to the posture of the client, we're going to hand that back to you. And we're, as a trio of the client, the MSP, the insurer, we're going to we're going to get this done together. Um, so, and you're right. And then if there's something does happen, we're also not going to ask you to, to get put in a compromised position where your client's going to naturally go to the MSP and ask it to be a jack of all trades. And what I'd say as well for MSPs, because we, we get a bit frightened by someone else coming into our space because then we're questioned. We even remove out the, the legal liabilities and that. We, we're so used to owning that client environment. One of the advantages of going through this process with um, an insurer and the high-level forensics people, you're going to learn stuff out of um, out of that process that you're going to be able to take and go to the rest of the clients. You might learn, well, this particular threat 
um, happen X, Y, Z. Well, we can close that. We can close that thread up across the rest of the client base and we're all better off. And that's that lifting of the, the industry. And I'm glad you said that because it sounds, they say counterintuitive, counterproductive, but the whole point I see of setting a, a cyber insurance policy is to hopefully make sure it never gets used. This is not this is not a shiny toy that you want to use. Trust me, I've seen it enough in my two and a half months. You do not want to use this policy. So with that in mind, that's exactly why I'm getting the MSP involved to upgrade the posture. You know, client might say, well, what, we're forgetting the insurance policy. Why do we need to spend all this money on cybersecurity? Because you do not want to use the policy. Trust me, it, it's 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 a second parachute, right? No one jumps out of a plane with that two parachutes, but by God, you don't want to have to use that second one because that means the first one's failed. Now you have a point where you're like, ah, like, you know, plus like, it's all the reputational harm. There's, there's things that are non-financial that will become financial. But trust me, you want to have the cyber insurance policy, but you never want to use it. That would be my closing statement. You need it, but you don't ever want to use it. On that note, we've covered a lot of different topics here. What do you what do you want to really have our have the MSP TSP owners walk away from this conversation? What are the key takeaways, and what do you think their next action should be? I think their na- next action should be is stop and think when a proposal form gets sent to them by a client and the client says you need to fill this out just stop and think you know like you said i I get it the msps and i respect them for it they want to be everything to everyone but i would just say to just stop and think should we be getting involved in this should we be pushing back on on the client and as a result their broker and saying look you need to get involved with us on this um and not just filling out a prop because it's not it's not going to solve the problem it's i just want them to stop and think because it's going to happen it's going to happen over the next calendar year they're going to get a heap of props come in and they're going to get clients saying can you fill this out i'm sure broker has asked um us to give this to you just all i ask is they stop think and go is there a better way i i think that's a i think that's a great perspective to come from to uh, think about this differently. Uh, be this is a good chance and a good opportunity for us to elevate ourselves to the technology advisor, not just an operational person that's doing a task and filling out a form. If we're the one coming back and going, what have what discussions have you had with your insurance broker? Are they actually helping you with this? All of a sudden, we're giving them more value in a different way, even if it's not on the technology side. Um, and then I would say from this is building up your ecosystem, find people that you can recommend. If they've got, they've got a general insurance broker that's just phoning it in, put them onto someone else that's actually going to be able to help them. Um, that's that increased value that, um, elevates you in their, in their thinking and allows you to have a strategic seat at the table. But if you keep doing the same things that we've always done, we've got an operational seat at the table and that makes it more difficult as we're needing to evolve when the industry is changing. So yeah, it's been an awesome conversation, Andrew. Thank you so much for, for joining me and I, I hope to have you back again in the future. And I hope, I hope a lot of the partners have taken away good lessons from this. No, thank you, James. I, I don't even need a morning coffee. I didn't need one last time we chatted and I'm not going to need one now. Because I do, I do love it. I really do enjoy, it. and I think that's the other thing is is just really enjoy the 
the um, the industry is having these chats. Well, I'm glad someone's excited about insurance because not many of us are. Well, th thanks so much for joining me. I look forward to it next time. Thank you, Jase.